This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, what do I want to talk about today? Daily decisions. Daily? Do y'all make daily decisions? Yes. Yes. Three people basically <laughs> said yes. What do the rest of us do? <clears throat> well, I'd like to uh, read a verse out of John 10.10. 10, and it says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, My purpose is to give life. In all of its fullness. You know, if you surrender to the devil, he will steal and kill and destroy in your life. If you surrender to Jesus, he will give you life in all of its abundance. Tired of struggling with her strong-willed three-year-old son, Thomas, Susan Kimber looked him in the eye and asked a question. She felt sure would bring him in line. Thomas, who is in charge here? Not missing a beat, her Sunday school born and bred toddler replied, Jesus is in control. I think she was asking and hoping that he would recognize that she was in control. In Psalms 146, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. And, and sometimes we need to tell ourselves and remind ourselves of what we really need to do. You can't learn to be a praiser in one day. We may have been complaining for years. And you don't just get rid of that in, in one day. New habits take time to develop. Let's begin today and let's practice tomorrow and the next day until it becomes a real genuine part of us. Psalms 146, we read a while ago, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, I tell myself. I will praise the Lord. Hey, thank you, brother. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God even with my dying breath. J.I. <clears throat> Packer said, I've experienced God's presence most powerfully in worship, often during the singing. I suppose because when we sing to him, we are looking hard in his direction. Do, do we really focus on the almighty God when we sing? Or are we just making, you know, music and making noises and all? Praise takes our minds off of our problems and, and praise focuses on the almighty God himself. We just got through reading Psalms 146 verse 1. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God even with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. That's the truth. <clears throat> there's a lot of powerful people in this world in which we live right now, and there's such division among, among us all. I mean, even the 
I mean, the, the politicians would want us to put our confidence in them. But it says here, there is no help for us there. That's not where our help comes from. He goes on to say in verse 4, when their breathing stops, they return to the earth. And in a moment, all their plans come to an end. But happy are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope, hope is a confident expectation for the future. But happy are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. <clears throat> he is the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Uh, not evolution, you know, but God did. He is the one who keeps every promise forever. Every promise. Every promise, 100% of them. Who gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts the burdens of those bent beneath their loads. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and the widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. O Jerusalem, your God is king. In every generation, praise the Lord. Psalm 63, verse 3, it says, Your unfailing love is better to me than life itself. How I praise you. It is easier to praise the one you know, the one who you know loves you. It's a lot easier to praise the Almighty. Are, are you convinced that God loves you? Yes. Are, are you convinced that God loves you? Definitely. Absolutely. And it's a lot easier to praise him. Verse 4 says, I will honor you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest of foods. I will praise you with songs of joy. Verse 6, he says, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I think how much you have helped me. I sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings. You know, at this verse 6 where it says, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I don't know about y'all, but I don't sleep through the night. I wake up, you know, here and there, and sometimes I can't get back to sleep for hours. You know, so um, this, this verse is what I do, you know, when that happens. And I would encourage you, if you wake up, maybe you're awake for a reason, you know. And uh, that's what I've come to to find out. And and I lay awake thinking of him. I meditate on him. I spend that time praying and seeking his face. And uh, it can it, even if I'm not sleeping, I'm resting as I'm in his presence and seeking his face. So I would encourage you to do the same. You know, lie awake thinking of him, meditating on him through the night. And, and you can be praying for me. I do. <clears throat> Because I'm usually sleeping. You usually are. But I do sure. wake up and I do pray. Yep, we do sometimes. Yep, together. Yep, for sure. Here's a, a thought. Does anybody hear so? Yep, I do. A, a few of you. Well, if you hymn your blessings, mm 
You know how you hem them so they don't unravel? You know, if you hem your blessings with praise so they don't unravel. And you think about that. When you praise God, it holds things together genuinely. C.S. Lewis said, praise is God inviting you to enjoy him. Does his praise fill the temple? And you are, you are the temple of the almighty God. And it's a song. I don't know if you know that song or not. And I'm not sure if I know it or not. But it goes kind of like this if it does come together. His praise fills the temple. His peace fills my heart. His love and his mercy he doth wonderfully impart. Oh, the blessed name of Jesus brought me freedom from sin. Now his praise fills the temple and his spirit dwells within. His praise, you know, fills this temple of ours. That's what he wants it to do. Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 9, it says, always. That's 100% when it says always. It's talking about 100%. Can I say something? <clears throat> yes, yeah. you may. You know, um, a few people may have had some differing uh, opinions on our pointing out the 100% when we see the word all or every. Um, but I, I don't know, a few years ago when he started doing that, and that was before I had ever even had been teaching with him, it opened God's word to me in an amazing way to recognize all of the times when God uses words that do mean 100%. And to point them out makes it huge. It just makes such a huge difference to know that always does mean 100% of the time. It's not just three quarters of the time, 75% of the time. It's not just when I feel like it. It's always. And when it says to be full, that means to be 100% full. It doesn't mean to be half full. You know, and for me to point it out and to uh, focus on it, to spotlight Every time God uses those words is just amazing. It just opens up a depth in God's word that I've never seen before in my 50 years of knowing Christ as my Savior. So I would encourage you to, you know, even as you're reading your Bible, to highlight those words, you know, and to recognize that God is saying something. He says every promise that he has made, he will, he will bring it to pass. You know, he says everything to, you know, to pray about. And it, it's not something that we take lightly or even that we just do for the fun of it. It's we're doing it for the depth of it, for the depth of it, to understand the broadness of God. And so that's my two cents. Well, he says here, always, that's 100%. 100%. Always be full. Always. 100% of the time, be full of joy in the Lord. That's what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. To always be full of the joy in the Lord. And, 
And along with that, I mean, we should raise our hands and we should raise our voice to the Almighty God. Verse 5, it says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Yes, he is. Did, did you see that there? I, I didn't write that down in there, but it says That's the Lord is coming soon. Yeah. How does that impact your life? When the, you know the Lord is coming soon. We're going to stand before the Almighty God one day because he is coming soon. That's what he says. Let everyone see that you're considered in all you do. Remember, and he puts that word there. Mm -hmm. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Yes, he's coming soon. Psalms 96 verse 11, it says, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst forth with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise. Let me read that again. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise before the Lord. For the Lord is coming. He said it again. The Lord is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and all the nations with his truth. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 it says, don't worry about what? Anything. Anything. There is nothing that God agrees for us to worry about. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 goes on to say, And now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. And then he says, Fix your thoughts. Did you know your thoughts are broken? <laughs> Well, he really wants us to attach them, to adhere them, you know, to him. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts. You think about things that are true and honorable. Think about things that are honorable and right. Think about the things that are true, honorable, and right. And think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Jesus is worthy of praise, is he not? So don't ever get distracted from him. Verse 9 says, keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing and the God of peace will be with you. Northwestern University at Evanston, Illinois had for many years a volunteer life-saving crew among its students which became famous. On September the 8th in 1860, the Lady Elgin, a crowded passenger steamer, foundered off the shore of Lake Michigan just above Evanston. One of the students gathered on the shore, Edward W. Spencer, a student in Garrett Biblical Institute, 
saw a woman clinging to some wreckage far out in the breakers. He threw off his coat and swam out through the heavy waves, succeeding in getting her back to the land in safety. Sixteen more times during that day. Sixteen more times. During that day, did young Spencer brave those fierce waves, rescuing 17 persons in all. Then he collapsed in a delirium of exhaustion. Ed Spencer slowly recovered from the exposure and exertion of that day, but never completely. With broken health, he lived quietly, unable to enter upon his chosen life work of the ministry, but exemplifying the teachings of Jesus Christ in his secluded life. He died in California, aged 81. 81. Can you imagine that? After he rescued the woman and another 16 people, mm-hmm. he, he didn't go anymore to Bible school. Yeah, it broke. his health was broken. Yeah, but he continued to minister to people for the rest of his life. And it says in a notice of his death, one paper said that not one of the 17 rescued persons ever came to say thank you. I I find that, you know, not to be God's way. (laughs) Out of all the people that he jumped into the ocean, he swam, and he rescued them, and he brought them back to shore. Not one person, up until he was 81 years old, ever said thank you. Do we often say thank you? We definitely should. Well, we should be encouraged by that right there. In 81 years, not one of the 17 people whose lives were saved because of him jumping into the ocean and rescuing them from a, a sinking ship, they, ever, they never came and said thank you. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. Or even give him thanks. That's exactly what happened in that story. Not giving thanks. That's what the scripture says. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. <laughs> you imagine that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says... You know, actually, that's a pretty good description of our world today. You know, that people refuse to give God thanks. They refuse to worship He's Him. worthy of thanks, and He is worthy of praise. And they think up foolish ideas of who they think God is and what He's like. You're right. It says that as a result, their minds have become dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They become other, other fools instead. That's right. Ephesians 1 3 it says how we praise God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ long ago before he made the world God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself 
through Jesus Christ. And this gave him <coughs> great pleasure. Isn't that amazing that God had that plan even, it says, even before he made the world. And it was an unchanging plan. He had us in mind. His plan then. has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can really genuinely get to God the Father. The scripture says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Almighty God. And, and you can get to know him as your Father. He tells us how we praise God the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing that is available to us, it comes from the Almighty God in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. Long before, even before, long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ and this gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the wonderful kindness he has poured out on us because we belong to his dearly, dearly loved son. He is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven he has showered his kindness upon us along with all wisdom and understanding. If you need wisdom, you get it from God. If you need understanding, you get it from God. Verse 9 says, God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan centered on Christ, designed long ago according to his good pleasure. And this is his plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us from the beginning and all things happen just as he decided long ago. God's purpose was that we who were the first to trust in Christ should praise our glorious God. William Law said, Do you know who is the most powerful filled Christian in the world? There's a question mark there. It's not he who prays the most. It's not he who fast the most it is not he who gives the most or it's not he who is eminent for temperance and chastity or justice but it is he who is always thankful to God hmm. the person who's most power filled is the person who says thank you 
what those 17 people didn't say when someone saved their life? And although Almighty God is the one who has saved our life, do we ever say thank you? You know? Who wills? Almighty God is the one who wills everything. You know? But you just think about that. Are you always ready to say thank you to him? Because of what he has done for us? A serious call to a devout and holy life. And we learn to trust the almighty God. Because he's the one who empowers us. He genuinely is. And you know, uh, when you think about it, what is it that empowers a sailboat? The wind. The wind. Did, did you hear anybody answer that question? A real faint. The a sail? Wind. The wind in the sails. The wind in the sails. But you can't see it, can you? But it's still there. You can feel it. And it's very, very powerful, you know. And when you hoist up the sails, you catch the wind, and it can move a huge ship filled with all kinds of goods or, or people. The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. <coughs> Do we genuinely surrender? And you surrender like this. And that's you lift yourselves to the almighty God and you catch his power and you catch his wind. So these are things we need to be daily deciding to do. We need to daily decide <laughs> to praise him. We need to daily decide to thank him. We need to daily decide to trust him and to daily decide to surrender to him. And act it out. <clears throat> Put some practical application through those things that you decide to do. Matthew 6, 32, it says, Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Did you know that God already knows every need that you have? 100%. We ask lots of times, well, what you need? You know, we can pray about those things or maybe... We have the resources already. It says, why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Did you know that God already knows all your needs? And he will give you, what's that word? All. And he will give you all you need 100%. from day to day. 100%. Everything that you need from day to day if you live your life for him. If you live for him. <clears throat> Are you living for the almighty God? If you live for him, and that really is a surrendered life, when you, he says, and he will give you all you need from day to day <clears throat> if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary Concern. What does that mean, your primary concern? It's number one. Mm -hmm. It's the most important thing. First place. When you make the kingdom of God your primary concern, he's going to take care of all your needs from day to day. That's what he says in Matthew 6, 33. James 4, verse 10, it says, 
when you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, <clears throat> that I depend upon him, he will lift you up and he will give you honor. You know, there's a few things in my life that I, I find myself continually using in prayer. And one is, and you hear us share it every other week or so, is in Philippians 4, which we were just sharing a while ago about not worrying about anything, but instead praying about everything. But this James chapter 4, verse 10 is also something that I, I pray daily. And it's, it's basically, you know, when I'm praying, I, I'm just saying, Father, I acknowledge that my total dependence is upon you. I admit that without you, I, I can't do anything. I need your help. I don't want to be dependent on my own human efforts. And, and that's, and it's, this scripture is what tells us to do that, to bow down before the Lord and admit our dependence on him. You know, and that's so contrary to the way the world would have us to be. They, they, you know, everybody wants to be independent and, and not dependent on anyone, but we, we have to be dependent on God and what freedom and joy comes in that acknowledging our dependence on him. Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 says, and now you also have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit he fills ourselves. He empowers us mm -hmm. in all the areas that we need the power of Almighty God. And it says, his, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. And Holy Spirit empowers us. <clears throat> you read about that in the book of Acts. Um, verse 14, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, it says, the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us everything He promised. That in itself is absolutely amazing. I mean, He gave us His Spirit, and it says that's the guarantee that He'll give us everything, everything else that He promised, 100%. He and that He has purchased us to be His own. This is just one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. You know, Jesus has rescued us and he has given us his Holy Spirit. He's worthy of our praise. I don't know if you praise him very often or if you praise him on a daily basis. Uh, he is worthy of us praising him for the eyes to see, for ears to hear, for mouths to speak. You know, Whatever it is, do we genuinely praise him as we think about him? Jesus surrendered his will to his father. Anyhow, John chapter 5, verse 30, it says, but I do nothing without consulting the father. Mm. That's what Jesus said. But I do nothing without consulting the father. And if he needed to do that, so much more do we need to do that. We do. I judge as I am told, and my judgment is absolutely just because it is according to the will of God who sent me. It is not merely my own. To a Christian walking in the will of God, 
There is no such thing as a dead end street. You know, what, what did Almighty God do when <clears throat> Jesus was dead on the cross? wasn't a dead end street. It wasn't a dead end street. He rose him from the dead. Absolutely. You know, the crucifixion wasn't a dead end. Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 says, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth. This is the words that Jesus said. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. To applaud the will of God. To do the will of God. Even to fight for the will of God is not difficult when you think about it until it conflicts with our will. What happens when God's will conflicts with our own will? What do we choose? Do we choose our own will over almighty God's? When the self is unsurrendered, it tends to be touchy. You ever know anybody who's kind of touchy? (laughs) You just got to kind of stay out of their reach, you know? When the self is unsurrendered, it tends to be touchy, easily provoked, unable to bear insults. When self is surrendered to Christ, and the love of Jesus fills and cleanses, then we can bear all things, endure all things, and men and women are impacted by our lives. You know, that's when we were studying this and came across that quote, it really um, stood out to me because it's saying when the self is unsurrendered, it tends to be touchy, easily provoked, and unable to bear insults. And it, it's really a, something that we need to look at in our own lives. You know, are there times when we become touchy, when we're easily provoked or unable to bear insults? It, we, it's like a red flag saying, oh no, that means that I'm not fully surrendered to Christ right now. I'm holding something back. I'm wanting my will. I want my way instead. And that's when we, that's when we start, uh, you know, acting in, in these ways. But when we're fully surrendered, um, then we can bear all things, it says, and endure in all things, and our lives will impact the lives of others. But if we, you know, if we start acting in these other ways, it's a sign of an unsurrendered life, and we need to Are you willing that. to surrender to God's will? I mean, to be honest with you, <clears throat> if you're talking about the almighty God, you know, the most high. Are, are, are we willing to surrender to his will mm-hmm. even before you know what his will is? Because mm-hmm. you know it's the best thing for you? Yeah. Are you willing to alter your own course according to what his plan is? It's like signing a blank check and giving it to God. You know, because I trust you. Well, the captain of the ship... He, uh, I think I do. The captain of the ship looked into the dark night and he saw faint lights in the distance. 
And immediately he told his seaman, his signal man, to send a message. So he got on his uh, radio and he sent this message. And he said, alter your course 10 degrees south. And promptly a return message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. We, I said, you need to alter your course 10 degrees south. Why are you coming back to me? You know, and telling me the captain was angered. His command had been ignored, so he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. And soon another message was received. <clears throat> Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a seaman, third class Jones. Lot lower rank. Lot lower rank. Immediately the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. And then the reply came. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. <laughs> and he, he probably had to do that, you know, <laughs> because so. the lighthouse wasn't going to move. Nope. And he just didn't know exactly where he was at. When you think about it, you know, what about when it comes to the almighty God? What about when it comes to his word? When he says something, is his word final? Does the almighty God have the power to do whatever he says he's going to do? In the midst of the dark and fog, all sorts of voices are shouting orders into the night, telling us what to do, how to adjust our lives. Out of the darkness, one voice signals something quite opposite to the rest, something almost absurd, but the voice happens to be the light of the world. You think about that, and we ignore <clears throat> the light of the world at our peril, at our own danger, because God has a purpose and a plan for our life. And you, when you pursue his will, things will go well for you. That's why it's important for us to, the scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's why we need to come together as a church body to hear God's word. But we also need to be reading it on a daily basis. That's another daily decision. Because when we read God's word with this in mind, Lord, what are you wanting to speak to me? How can I apply what I'm reading to my life? And it causes us to have to make that choice to alter our course. You know, if our, if our lives or things within our lives are not lining up with what his word says, we have that choice. Am I going to yield to him? Am I going to alter my course? Or I'm just going to keep barreling ahead in my own direction. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 43, it says, This is what I told you, but you would not <clears throat> listen. Instead, you again rebelled against the Lord's command and arrogantly went into the hill country to fight your own way, not willing to surrender. 
Lots of times people are not willing to surrender to the Almighty God and we refuse to yield and we refuse to surrender to Jesus and we'll find ourselves in a shipwreck. That's just what happens, you know. Acts chapter 7, verse 51, it says, You stubborn people, you're heathen at heart and death <clears throat> to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? But your ancestors did, and so do you. In this, Proverbs chapter this was, 3. This was Stephen talking here. Yep. And he was talking to the Jewish high council. And he was preaching to them about Jesus Christ, whom they were resisting. So it was pretty, pretty heavy duty, the things that he was telling them, that they were stubborn, that they were heathen at heart. Now, this was the religious leaders of the day. And it, as a result, not long after Stephen said those things, they stoned him to death for his statements. Proverbs chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, 100%. what percentage is all? 100%. 100%. Trust in the Lord. Whatever you're dealing with, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding, the way you can figure it out and the way you can think about it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will and all. What percentage is all? 100%. Seek his will in all you do. And not your own, but seek his will in all you do. And he goes on to say, and he will direct your path. If you seek his will in all that you do. You know, trust, it, it empowers us when we put our trust in him. <clears throat> and we surrender to him and we hoist all the sails and let God fill our sails with his power, you know? The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. So says William Booth. You think about it. Do we, do we like to surrender to other people? No. Well, we kind of like to do what we want to do, don't we? But you think about it, when you surrender to the almighty God, it's the best thing you and I can do. God who created us and he put us here on this planet, surrendering to God empowers us. In the, the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 32, it says, Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, 100%. And he will give you all, 100%, you need from day to day <clears throat> if you live for him. That's a surrendered life to him and make the kingdom of God your primary. What does what primary mean? First place. First. When you make the kingdom of God your primary, your number one, your first concern. You know, I was um, thinking about my journey with Christ and my walk with Christ. And 
this fall it'll be 50 years uh, since I came to know Christ as my Savior. And I came to know him the day before, well, I entered into a relationship with Christ the day before I, I went into high school. And if I could sum up my journey with Christ, and, and I'm, I'm sure that probably most everybody that's a believer would come to that same conclusion, it would be this one word, surrender. And although at the time I came to know Christ, I surrendered my life to him, I acknowledged him as my Lord and Savior, um, I, I recognized that throughout this whole journey of 50 years that it has really brought me from, from one part surrendering of my area of my life to another. It's just been one surrender after another. And, and, and it's just been a, an amazing journey, to be honest with you. And, you know, the, the first point of surrender was that fall of that year. My ambition... You know, I loved basketball, and I my goal was to be a uh, as a freshman to be on the varsity basketball team, the girls' basketball team. And I had practiced, and and I was determined that I was that was what I was going to do. And I had perfected the jump shot, which back in the 70s they said that girls couldn't make a jump shot. And I decided I was going to prove that wrong, and I did. But I surrendered to Christ, and I surrendered my selfish ambition, and I, I didn't even go out for the team. You know, looking back, I'm thinking, well, maybe I should have, maybe I could have had a greater impact if I had, but when I surrendered, I surrendered, and I knew that God had a different direction for me, and that's the direction I took. Then, not too long after that, the people that were mentoring me asked me, you know, as a 14-year-old, they said, Susan, what if if God doesn't want you to be married? That's a tough question to ask a 14-year-old girl. You know, what if that's not God's will for you? And I surrendered that to God. And I just said, you know, if God doesn't want me to be married, there is nothing that I could think that would be more miserable than to be married outside of God's will. So I surrendered that to God and said, Lord, if you don't want me to be married, that's okay. If you do, then you just need to bring that guy into my life. I don't want to date him. I don't want to go through all that stuff. Just bring, bring him into my life. Show me that it's him and I'll marry him. And he did that. But I had surrendered and I was okay if I didn't get married, if I lived my life as a single person. And then years later, it was surrendering you know, we had had one son, and then we had a, a baby that was stillborn, and I had a miscarriage, and then years of barrenness, and we got on our knees after, you know, uh, so many years of not being able to have children, and we, we said, Lord, we surrender. We surrender our rights to having any more kids to you. It's okay. We're going to pour our lives into the children of Faith Living Church, and we started doing children's ministry different from that day. That's when we started doing VBAs different. And, and, you know, as we surrendered our rights to God, uh, amazingly, six weeks later, I was pregnant. You know, you know, I said, must have got pregnant that night, you know. Um, but that began the, the three other children that we had, Benjamin and Miracle and James. You know, so often the things that we surrender, God gives back to us in a whole different way. Sometimes the things that we surrender, he doesn't because he knows what's best for us, like the basketball, you know, ideas that I had. Um, 
and then my eyesight, you know, the, the struggles that I had with two det detached retinas and all those things, and that's a whole other story. But I found that, you know, my, my whole journey has been one surrender af after another. And, and with every surrender, there's greater freedom, there's greater, uh, there's greater joy, there's greater amazement at the, the, at the work of God in our lives. So this, this idea of surrender is, is an amazing challenge for each and every one of us. <clears throat> Two, three. I would like to buy three dollars worth of God. Please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a man of another color or, or, or pick beets with a migrant worker. I, I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a, a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not, that... en not enough to meddle with us. <laughs> Romans chapter 6 verse 13 says, Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Never surrender to sin. Though it may be tempting, don't do it. Instead, give yourselves completely, completely means 100%. Give yourselves completely to God, you know, since you have been given new life and use your whole body, 100%, as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God and, and to honor him. Romans chapter 12, verse one, it says, and so, dear Christian friends, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. I mean, surrender. And, and anybody who hears that can say, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to surrender to the almighty God. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what <clears throat> he has done for you, is it too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, how can our thinking change? In reality, what would it be that would change the way we think? Just one at a time to answer that question. You know what? God's word, it changes the way we think. When he tells us to turn the other cheek, when he tells us to bless those who curse us, we change the way we think about things. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing 
the way you think and then you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Luke chapter 14, 33, it says, so no one can become my disciple without giving up everything for me. That's what Jesus said. Jesus says, no one can be his disciple without giving up 100%. Give it up 100% for Christ. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I want to do. And I'm willing to give everything up. I want your will to be done in and through my life. To some people that might seem kind of strange when you think about it, you know. I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess, says Martin Luther. When you give it to the Almighty God, you still have it. But when you try to keep it for yourself, you know, you, you lose it. He says, I'm giving you my heart and all that is within, and I lay it all down for the sake of you, my king. I'm giving you my dreams. I'm laying down my rights. I'm giving up my pride for the promise of new life. I, I surrender all to you. All to you, almighty God. I surrender all to you. I'm singing you this song. I'm waking at the cross. And all the world holds dear. I count it all as loss. For the sake of knowing you. For the glory of your name. To know the lasting joy. Even sharing in your pain. Think about it just a moment. Is there anything more important than God's will being fulfilled in your life? When you think about he created you and he put you here and he's got a plan for you and he loves you more than anyone has ever loved you and he's watching after and over you all the time and he is trustworthy genuinely 100%. So I'd like you to bow your heads with me for just a moment right now. And I'd like you to join me in a simple prayer of just really yielding our all to the almighty God together. Can we pray together right now and yield everything and just acknowledge our trust in him? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I do love you. I do love you. And I believe you love me. And I believe you love me. And your plans. And your plans. Are wonderful. Are wonderful. And are trustworthy. And are trustworthy. So I come to you. So I come to you. Because I trust you. Because I trust you. And I believe that Jesus. And I believe that Jesus. Died in my place. Died in my place. Because you sent him here. Because you sent him here. And he paid for all of my sins. And he paid for all my sins. Because of your love for me. Because of your love for me. So I yield everything. 
So I yield everything over to you. Over to you. My past. My past. My present. My present. My future. My future. Everything. Everything. I yield it over to you. I yield it over to you. Lead me and guide me. Lead me and guide me into the best pathway. Into the best pathway for my life. For my life. I ask. I ask. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.